podcast we have Jessica Morehouse she is a money expert financial educator and owner and CEO of More Money Media Inc and you also have your own podcast as well right I do call it the More Money Podcast so it's about more money topics right okay (laughs) sounds good so we have been wanting to have an episode like this we haven't been able to kind of come across the right person um our whole kind of no I was gonna say actually um a few months back, we did our own kind of financial po- advice podcast, but I feel like we had no idea what we were talking yeah, we, about. Like <laughs> I, like I'm just starting now. I'm in my like early twenties, twenty two, so I'm just starting to kind of get the concept of money, saving, budgeting, all that jazz. So I had no idea yeah. what tips I was giving. Um, but yeah, as she was saying, we wanted to like have somebody on, like you, an expert, because we feel like a lot of our listeners too are in that same adulting stage where, you know, they're either just starting their first, you know, full-time job or they're trying to save budget, buy a house, buy a mortgage and invest in stocks, all this, you know, overwhelming things that that can be very scary when you don't know really what you're getting into. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like to premise this episode. I do want to know, sorry, I keep putting you off though. No, no, what? (laughs) I was going to say, do you want to know a little bit like more about you or we want to know more about you and how you've like, started this journey what made you want to become like an expert and and advise people on money and before before you get into that i just want to note to our listeners um i was looking through jessica's hate her instagram page and all that and i realized through on your post that you didn't actually go to school for finance or or any business right no yeah not i mean not initially um i definitely had and that should probably give people hope that you don't have to get you know an mba to understand how to budget and invest and take care of your money it's really something that everyone can learn uh but no i i originally went to university to study filmmaking actually i thought i was going to be a filmmaker yeah (laughs) i had some pretty lofty dreams now and i look back and my family's like wow i was pretty uh ambitious there (laughs) um and you know it was it was a good experience i mean hey i I have a few i guess things i can now draw in for for you know how i learned uh, storytelling and content creation so there's you Mm -hmm. know a completely useless degree but um you know similar to you you know graduated in my early 20s and uh, i graduated i'm an older millennial so I graduated in 2009, and so if you remember, that is when we were uh, in the recession with the, that uh, you know 2008 market crash, and I had no idea about money as well because I was just like fully in filmmaking, and that's all I knew. And then I had to learn how to like you know pay rent, and you know how do you afford all of your bills, and how do you how do you manage a budget? Like I never learned any of that stuff, so I mm-hmm. felt really far behind the pack and was really concerned also about like, what if I never earned that much money? Like, what if I was going to, you know, work in the arts or something like that? I'm never going to earn that much money. So how am I going to retire one day? I'm not going to get a pension. So the idea or that the feeling of anxiety and just like overwhelm is so normal, especially when you're really just starting your like adult life, totally normal. And I will say as someone who's now so many years older, I'm in mid thirties, it gets so much better. Your twenties are it's a rough, uh, it's a rough go. Cause it's like, you're learning everything mm-hmm. for the first time. Right. But then you get that life experience. You're like, Oh, okay. It's actually not that scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how I kind of got into things was mainly because I realized how little I knew. And it was, it was concerning. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, 
embarrassing. If someone were to ask me how to do this, I wouldn't know what to tell them. And so I started, you know, what most people do. I got some books from the library and just started reading. I read personal finance blogs and then I eventually started my own as a way to kind of keep myself accountable and have that excuse to continue to research and learn and then kind of share what I learned. And I realized I actually love this stuff. I love this way more than I ever did filmmaking. It really kind of fit this thing that I was looking for, like that passion. And uh, yeah, I just uh, did that on the side for a good five or six years. And then five years ago, quit my full-time job. I used to work in uh, marketing, never worked in filmmaking, actually. <laughs> Very left turn there. Um, and have been running my own kind of a financial education company ever since. Wow. What a, what a journey. Wow. Um, so I, guess I know. <laughs> I guess it's safe to say that you initially got into finance and reading about it not necessarily to start your own business but to just learn for yourself and then from there Absolutely. kind of grew and just okay oh yeah well because like when I started my blog back in like late 2011 so this was a long time ago right. um no one was making money online like you <laughs> like having a blog and making money that wasn't the thing that anyone did for it, yeah. <laughs> like you can maybe make a few hundred dollars a month from AdSense maybe but sponsored posts or, or things like that. Influencer was in term. Like I started my blog before Twitter existed, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, or, or was really um, popular. And so there was no like possibility that wasn't a thing. And so you really just did it on the side for fun and just for yourself education. I thought maybe I could pad my resume saying, Oh, I know how to do this. I know how to do blogging. Right. Um, but then over time, it's like things evolve with social media and just the online space. That's when you kind of realize, Oh, wait a minute. Hey, is there, is there a way that I could actually First, I just wanted to make some extra money so I can, you know, save and invest and pay down, you know, debts and stuff like that. Right. And then and then eventually I'm like, I think I can make a full time living doing this. But but like you um, kind of, uh, you know, mentioned, so I didn't go to, to business school or, or anything like that. But what I have done is obviously self-education and uh, have taken some formal education uh, since then. So now I'm a, an accredited financial counselor and I'm also oh, nice. working towards becoming a, a CSP. So. Oh, congrats. I mean, that's always good because now yeah. you're just supplementing all the information you already know and you have these kind of things behind yeah. you. So when you are talking to people about it, they know like, okay, she also has the education behind her too. So no, that's, really that's good. part of the Congrats. reason. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing for, for people like you, you do not have to go that route. I'm obviously going like, I'm just going to keep on going because I, I love learning this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing I used to think, I'm like, gosh, do I have to become like a financial planner to you know, understand how to manage my own finances? And no, like, and that's the other good thing with me studying to become a financial planner. I now see what these financial planners are taught. And I can tell you, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, that's good to hear because every time I go to the bank and they tell me something new, or I don't even know, I'm just, I just get so flustered and I'm like, okay, so now I need to go home. I start researching a bunch of stuff that just mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I'm trying to learn it all at once. So yeah. that kind of brings me to my next thing that I want to talk about. You mentioned how social media first back in 2011, wasn't that long ago, but still I, I get it. Like, I know, but it feels like a long time ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to say back in 2011, but yeah, there wasn't yeah. like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> But there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't all this really influential culture. And I feel like now, at least this is how I feel. I know that this is how a lot of like my close friends, in my circle feel. There's really like an oversaturation of this like investment culture, yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. So I guess I want to know your thoughts on it as a financial ed educator, as someone that teaches people about these things. Like, what do you think about this like investment culture? And just to give you some context, for example, I started investing without even really knowing what the f i was doing to be honest with you it, mm -hmm. it was just because mm -hmm. i saw all these 
people talking about it on their stories invest in this and i saw these little charts going up and i'm like okay that means that they're making a lot of money so let me just invest like 500 dollars into this random stock that like might be doing mm-hmm. good same with crypto etc cetera, etc cetera. so i guess mm-hmm. i kind of want to know your thoughts on that culture on on social media in general is it toxic can we actually learn from it sorry you know? before also you answer i want to give like my take on that sam will always be like yeah. you need to invest in this invest now i'm like i don't i'm always scared I'm like get that out of my face i don't want to invest i don't want to invest and it's not because like i don't want to do it i think i'm scared because i don't know the right do information. It wrong. yeah i don't know the right information because you're missing. using real money yeah, you know exactly. it's, not it's not just not playing around you <laughs> could lose real and money i was telling sam like well how does it go back into your checkings or savings account does it tra- like i would i was asking questions these that just... sound like stupid questions but like i like no, let they're me not. just be honest with the listeners here listening and you as well like i've put money into investments right i have never yet taken it out because i'm scared of the process of it coming out into my bank account i'm like wait how's this get done is it gonna get like stolen along the way and i know that sounds so stupid but <laughs> it's honestly a thought that crosses my mind i kind of fake it till i make it when i talk about these things but since we're talking with you i just want to ask you yeah. kind of what you thought well, I'm, I'm curious, just to maybe I can answer your, your situation. So what platform did you use to invest in some of the stocks that you kind of mentioned? For stocks, I've used Wealthsimple. But I also the trading have, app? Yeah, but I also yeah. have some in my bank with my TFSA. So like I kind of put it in both. And then for, right. I don't know if this applies to like crypto as well. But for that, I just use an app as well. Obviously, yeah, so because, for yeah. Simple Trade, is that in a registered account, like an RSP or TFSA, or a is it just t- in a TFSA, TFSA? Yeah, in Wealthsimple okay, as well, yeah. Okay, so very easy with a TFSA um, because they really are flexible. You can, you know, put cash in there or you can invest in there. If you want to take money out, awesome. This is, And if you're like, I want to actually cash out, this might actually be the time to do it because we're at the end of the, the year. So what happens is mm, if you tough. withdraw funds from your TFSA, let's say you withdraw, you know, $6,000 or $5,000, for example, from your TFSA in the next tax year and, you know, starting January, 2022, you get that room back. So you never lose it if you make withdrawal. So that's kind of nice. Okay. And honestly, I'm pretty sure for with that platform or other similar platforms, it's literally just a button that says, withdraw and then you connect it to your bank and then it's like and nothing's gonna happen with okay God. no until you've done it before you're like i don't know how this works right again it comes with experience now with your bank i'm gonna guess that you have a tfsa it's most likely in a portfolio of mutual funds maybe do you know what it is probably uh, mutual funds yeah the bank. yeah 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 probably if you work with an advisor, that's definitely what yes, they told you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and so similarly, you would basically contact your advisor to be like, I want to make a withdrawal and connect it to And if you have a bank account with that bank, then they'll just put it into your bank account. Okay. But here's the other thing to remember too. A lot of people think that if I want to move my money, let's say I don't want to have my money in mutual funds to the bank. I want to move it over to Wealth Simple Trade. Do I have to make a withdrawal in order to make to move that money? You do not. You can actually transfer your TFSA from your bank over to Wealth Simple Trade or some other institution what that's called a plan to plan transfer so basically the money is never withdrawn it's just moved mm-hmm. and okay. so you don't it, so doesn't it doesn't count, count towards that it doesn't count towards that mm-hmm. amount that you're allowed to okay interesting that's exactly. good to know. i didn't know that yeah <laughs> but yeah like that's not a dumb question it's like how would you know unless you've done it and you know how would you know unless you know you knew what to ask your advisor right, right? but uh, yeah no so so going back to your your questions uh, about kind of the the rise of all of this uh you know investing information online and i feel like it's really exploded i don't know about you but for me it's like wow there's never been more information online on like instagram and tiktok mm-hmm. yeah because the pandemic and everyone was at home right 
And I know it's been around, you know, these, you know, people that are like investing bros and whatnot have been online for a long time, especially on YouTube and stuff. But I feel like there's been an explosion in the past couple of years. And I've never gotten more questions about things like, should I buy this stock? Should I buy cryptocurrency and stuff like that? Um, like I've never seen before. And uh, I think it's it's one is one good thing is, hey, there's more information out there. More people are thinking about investing and maybe they wouldn't have this early on. Sure. Um, so there's and, and it's never been easier to invest, which is great. The downside is um, you feel this pressure and this kind of FOMO if you do not start investing mm-hmm. now. It's and then FOMO. you're like, OK, it's I know FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> it's the FOMO, right? It's like, oh, I'm an idiot if I don't start investing now because so and so invested and now they're rich. Or now they can afford a house or whatever, even though we don't know what's actually going on with anyone's investments. Because remember, the key thing is everyone will shout to the rooftops about their investment returns. They will not tell you how much money they lost Mm -hmm. because that's embarrassing. Right? Yeah, you never (laughs) know how much money they lost. It's like maybe they made 10 grand, but they lost 10 grand, so they actually just broke even. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right? Right. Um, So I think it's really important to be very careful. Just like any kind of thing that you're researching, like diet culture and stuff, there's some scammy, scary things out there. Yeah. There's also some people providing good information. So you've got to really understand who is providing this information and take everything with a grain of salt that you find on social media. Like even for me, I'm on social media, but I can't share every in and out on everything on social media. It's just like a little clip. And so it's really important to to read kind of like those more long form uh, you know, pieces of research books, you know, blogs, articles on like the financial post, the global mail, things like that mm-hmm. um, to really kind of uh, educate. But yeah, just be careful with, uh, you know, I've been getting yeah so many questions about like, gosh, like Forex trading and crypto and stuff like that. And for the most part, I feel like most investors, especially young, new investors don't even need to touch any of that kind of stuff. You don't need to, to be an investor. You don't have to invest in individual stocks or cryptocurrency or anything kind of crazy. Um, for me, um, one kind of investing strategy that I've been part of for a long time is called passive investing. So if you've ever heard, you know, maybe you've seen this online index funds, index yeah. investing, that's what it's about. Most people, I think it's actually becoming less popular, which I'm totally cool with because it's not sexy, it's boring, and it's very simple. All it means is investing in a diversified fund similar to a mutual fund, uh, either an index mutual fund or an exchange traded fund that you're basically investing in a bunch of different companies. And then, you know, ones that are either tracking the Canadian stock market, U.S. stock market, international stock markets or emerging markets. And then there's also bond ETFs as well. So I have a whole course that goes through all this because there is a lot to know. But I would say if you're interested in investing, one, um, you know, kind of strategy that is, you know, if you can look at historical um, information returns on that, index investing is a great path to uh, do some more research on. And would you say, because I know in one of your posts, you also talked about like, getting rich quick versus getting rich slow <laughs> slowly would, yeah would this would be the way to kind of like accumulate that yeah. wealth over time rather exactly. than exactly i feel like with this like investment culture on social media it's very like get rich quick invest in this crypto mm-hmm. and you're gonna have like yeah this yeah. amount of money by like next month so that's kind yeah. of what you're touching on is like the kind of exactly it's like why do we have to get rich immediately and also you know how difficult it actually is to get you know those big gains like those 10 bakers as people say it's ridiculous it's, yeah. it's very difficult to to get rich quick or to to make a really good you know uh investment and and see it you know triple or quadruple in value 
I personally would much rather have the certainty that I'm like, I know I am going to build wealth, but it's going to be over time. So I have to be patient and it's mm-hmm. kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather, you know, like my thing is uh, yeah, I like to get rich slowly, but eventually instead of get rich quickly, but probably not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like no, that. That's so true because people like, especially our age, young, you know, young adults or like in their twenties, they want to get rich quick. They always want like the fast route out. I feel. So that's why mm-hmm. I also feel this misinformation because we're telling you how to do it like so quickly, but is like, is that really the good way like to do it? Is that really the right path? Yeah. And that's why there are so many of these kind of, um, you know, new cryptocurrencies that I swear there's a new one that pops up every single week. And so many of them are scams Mm -hmm. and people are like, Oh, this is the one I'm going to jump in. And this is how I'm going to make all that money. And then you get scammed. I know I've talked to so many people who've gotten ripped off because like the, you know, the platform they used crumbled or yeah, the, the crypto was just a total fake. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you've got to be really careful with some of those things. And I think what also people don't realize is let's say you are investing in something that's, you know, like Bitcoin or something like that's been around the longest. Hey, I own some Bitcoin too. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think most people don't realize that let's say you bought it for like $10,000 and then you sold it for $50,000 you know, you have to pay tax on On that gain, so that capital gain. And most people don't realize because you cannot hold cryptocurrency in a registered account. You can hold, um, you know, a Bitcoin ETF inside a registered account. So you you can kind of get away with that. But a lot of people are, you know, investing tons of money and they don't realize they have to pay tax Mm -hmm. on that. That can be a significant tax burden. That's very interesting. I honestly never thought of that for crypto purposes, but that would make sense because you're technically earning money on those investments. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So that kind of brings me to the importance of having, so for people like us, like for me and my sister, we talk about like saving money and all this stuff and what to save for, but how do you actually budget those savings? Because Mm -hmm. like, I don't budget. I know that's probably very bad, but I just, (laughs) I, okay. So I recently, so I graduated throughout in the pandemic. Um, and oh, it was, wow. yeah, so it was difficult to kind of find my first job. And I went through like some highs and lows of like being okay with the career I chose and kind of transitioning. So now mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more secure in like kind of all the mm-hmm. things that I'm doing with the podcast, with my job and everything. I'm like, okay, maybe I should now start budgeting. Cause I'm seeing an influx of money come in, but mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know how I know Fran doesn't know. <laughs> I've tried different ways off, <laughs> off things I found on like Pinterest, like those cute, like, yeah budget like this but i'm like hey i'm not going to be doing writing hearts on my butt like it's just it's so much and Mm -mm. so tedious and um you know i'm gonna like say and i we put it in a post before and i feel like so many people can relate to this like there's been times where i'm like hey i'm gonna budget myself to i don't know 200 dollars tonight but then i end up you know going over that budget and then i'm transferring savings to checkings and then spending my checkings and my savings is going down i'm like Oh my god! Like, you're like and then you're like, okay, that. I'll just re- I'll just start again next because yes. I didn't get it perfect this yes. week. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I guess our yeah. question is, can you touch on the importance of budgeting, especially when you do have that influx of money coming in? Like, I know yeah. a lot of people get so excited, I guess, mm-hmm. and just kind of want to spend it all. Which yeah. is, I think it's okay to want to spend the money, but I kind of want to yeah. want you to touch on the importance of budgeting and what like a first step to practical budgeting can be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think you, you touched on it. It's like money, it, it's okay to spend money. Money is meant to be spent, yeah. but it's like, do you want to spend it now or do you want to spend it later? Mm-hmm. And also if you wait until later, maybe there'll be more money to spend. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of one thing. So what I always tell people is when it comes to budgeting, maybe give it a different label, like spending plan or just like guide for your money right. or something like that. So it doesn't have that kind of, you know, icky feeling of budgeting. Um, but 
instead of starting with like your line items and what you should and shouldn't do, really start with what are your goals? Like, what do you want to happen with your money? What do you want to save for? That's the exciting part. That's the fun part. So it's like, well, I want to go on a trip. I want to buy a home one day. I want to pay off, um, you know, my debt. I want to get married one day and have a wedding. I want to do all these things. Write all of those goals down. You can start big and get really micro. You know, I've worked with clients, um, you know, as a financial counselor for a number of years. Sometimes they could be like, I want to get, um, you know, braces okay. <laughs> or I want to, you know, you know, you're like, well, that's going to be $10,000. So I'm going to have to start saving up for that so I can do that. Um, and so I'd start there and then you can kind of figure out, okay, those are the goals. Well, when do I want to achieve them? So what's the kind of timeline for all those goals? So you can be like 10 years, five years, one year, kind of find out what are the immediate ones, what are the long-term ones. And then also figure out, okay, on an estimate, what, what, how much do I need for those goals? So braces, $10,000, the trip, $3,000, and I want to do it in a year. Um, retirement should obviously be a goal. That's probably not for another four decades. And let's say you can use some online, uh, you know, uh, retirement calculators just to get an estimate. Maybe it's like $1.5 million, which I know sounds insane. Yeah. But, you know, over time, somehow compound interest does work. As, again, I'm in my mid-30s. And I'm like, how does? It's kind of crazy how the money just kind of grows and grows over time just by mm-hmm. doing some really smart things with it. Mm-hmm. So start there. And then it's really about kind of uh, organizing it into one place. So for me, uh, there's so many different, like you've you know, seen lots of different budget spreadsheets and platforms and stuff. It's really about finding one that clicks that you're actually you know, like excited to check out every month or something. I developed my own one, so it's free on my website. Oh, again, cool. you can just make your own. But the key thing is really, you know, there's a uh, kind of a old... A uh, piece of advice that's still really good, which is paying yourself first, and really that means mm. let's when you have that income come in, we want to dedicate uh, a portion to your savings goals first. So that's your investments and your short-term savings goals, and then whatever's left over you can spend. Mm. But then obviously for whatever's left over to spend, well, we have some bills, so we definitely need to make sure that we right. pay all of our bills. And once all of those kind of fixed or you know important necessities are taken care of then whatever is left over you can spend. And then, you know, that could look like, you know, shopping or, you know, entertainment, groceries, takeout, whatever you want. But really kind of starting with the savings and then your kind of needs and then your wants is kind of a great way to kind of organize it. But giving yourself some flexibility so you can treat yourself. So what I do, instead of giving it a line item as an expense, for like shopping or like getting makeup and stuff like that, because I'm like, I don't like go shopping every single month, but sometimes once a quarter or something like that, I want to drop some money. And so instead I actually make that a savings goal. So every, you know, paycheck or or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, I put a certain amount of money into a savings account called shopping. Then I see that money accumulate. Then by the time it's like, Oh great. It's like springtime. And I want to get some new clothes. I've got Mm -hmm. like 500 bucks in there and I can do whatever the heck I want because that's why I saved it for the purpose of spending. I like that. And I I want to touch on two things you said. So firstly, you said savings needs and then wants. I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of us, merge savings and needs together so like you'll have your wants like ak like just for the sake of simplifying it ak your checkings account okay so like you get paid through your checking Mm -hmm. account whatever and then people will transfer that money to their savings and then they're using their savings to pay off like the car insurance Mm -hmm. or like the mortgage Mm -hmm. etc etc but you're suggesting that it should be like savings because those are those are kind of like more long-term. So your investments and what you're saving up for retirement, yep. et cetera, your needs, which do need to get paid every month. So I, that makes sense. Why would you be taking it out of yeah, your savings and yeah. then your wants? Yeah, exactly. So you can, there's That's, so many different kind of bank account structures. And usually what I recommend is like, I usually use Canva to make, make a nice little visual, but just take a pen and paper and just like kind of draw out like all your different accounts and how you want the money to flow. So you can try to automate it as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for your savings goals, your investment accounts, 
Those should be in savings accounts or your RSP or TFSA and things like that. For your bills and stuff like that, you know, usually I recommend if you have like subscriptions or, or bills that you can pay by your credit card, have a dedicated credit card that you don't use for any variable expenses. So don't use it for takeout or groceries or things like that, but just for bills. And then just link your phone bill, you know, your subscriptions and stuff like that to that credit card. And then it's the same amount that's being charged every month. Very easy to track that and then just pay it off from money in your checking account every month. And then for your other bills, maybe like rent where you have to do an interactive transfer or some other things that you can't use, uh, you know, put on your credit card, just leave that money in your checking account and then pay it through your checking account. Now, you might be wondering, okay, so how do I make sure I don't spend too much money or the money I dedicated for my bills for like when I'm doing takeout or my variable spending? That's what I usually recommend either having another dedicated credit card for that, but then it's very easy to just go over the limit and stuff like that. Right. So maybe it's an, uh, it could be a couple of different things. You can have a second checking account and lots of online accounts will, uh, you know, online banks and stuff like that will allow you to do that. Have a debit card, just use debit. Or you can use like a prepaid visa, like a Toho or something like that, where mm-hmm. it's like you load money on there, so mm-hmm. you can't go over the limit. And that's how much you kind of budget for your your takeout and whatever you want. So creating a system where you can kind of keep yourself accountable and everything's organized and also giving every single bank account, financial product, credit card, a specific purpose is really key. I really really like that because I have a habit of using my visa for everything and then it'll rack up and then I can't pay it off. And I'm like, fuck, (laughs) I'm in like a little bit of debt and then I have to use my checkings to pay it all off and then I have to start all over again. Like I'll use my visa for Uber Eats. I'll use it for all my mm-hmm. subscriptions. I use it for my bills, for my gas. And I'm like, okay, where is all this money going? And it's accumulating on my visa. And then all that, obviously, I have to pay off. So it mm-hmm. like seeing my checking account like decrease that much because I have to pay it all off is also kind of like not frustrating. What's the word? Um, Daunting. Yeah, it's like shit. Like yeah. I spent a lot of money. Yeah, and then you just have to keep it all organized in your mm-hmm. mind. Like, wait, how much money do I have yes. for this? And this? If you have a structure where it's like money goes here, there, there, and so you know, okay, there's like. You know, five hundred dollars on my you know co card until I you know get paid again. So I know I have five hundred dollars, and as the balance goes down, then I know oh I only have a hundred dollars left until payday. So I better stop spending money because I only have a hundred dollars. Like having some sort of system to easily know how much money do I have for these things. Yeah, got it. Um, sorry, last thing just on like this whole topic because it's so interesting to me. But okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so. I guess it does seem really daunting and I feel like at least for me seeing like a large sum in one account is almost it's what I'm trying to say is like it needs to be a change of mindset I think because seeing a large sum Mm -hmm. in one account so much nicer than seeing like smaller bits in between different accounts if that makes sense right so yeah that's how like sometimes how I think I've been trying to manage my money more so that there's I have two savings account I don't really know what they're Mm -hmm. for yet I was kind of just opening stuff and just figuring it out as I go but for this kind of thing, someone can go to someone like you to be able to help them figure out what should go with what, right? Like you would be yeah. able to sit down with me or whoever would be interested in something like this and be able to be like, okay, go through all your expenses and figure out mm-hmm. what each savings account can be allocated to, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, and that's why like I, I made a budget spreadsheet with some like video tutorials because I, I, you know, put it up there for free and people download it. Then it got lots of questions like, okay, here's a tutorial on how it actually works and how you can kind of implement it for yourself. And I think that's <laughs> been very helpful. But yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's, it seems really complicated until you kind of see someone else do it. And you're like, oh, but when you said yeah, it's nice to see that big number in that one account. So why would I want to divide it into other accounts? So here's my workaround. So um, on top of having a budget, which is like, this is what I want to happen with my money. You also need to keep yourself accountable to be like, am I actually doing that? 
And that's when you do have to track your spending. And it shouldn't be that it honestly, I've been doing it for gosh, like six years or something now. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't take that much time, like an hour per month. And everyone has an hour hour per month to watch a TV show as you like put your, you know, um, spending just by downloading your transactions from your bank and just putting them into the spreadsheet, then you can kind of see where did that money go. And then next, uh, tracking your net worth, which is the fun part. It's the fun. I, uh, the part I love to do every tracking single month. Your so that net is, worth. Okay. Um, your net worth. So that is you, um, putting in the balances of all of your different bank accounts, investment accounts, any assets that you have, if you have a car and you know you could sell it for $5,000, put that in there. That's an asset. Hmm. And then your liabilities, your debt. So if you have student loans, a credit card balance, stuff like that, you'd put that in there to find out how much is my net worth. So what is your, your assets minus your liabilities? And if you do that over time, I do it on a monthly basis, that gives you motivation to see if you're paying down your debt and your debt's going down. And if you're saving more money and your investments are growing, your net worth goes up every month. And that is very exciting. But that's also a way where you could just in the you know spreadsheet it totals all of your you know your assets and stuff so that'll give you that big number that kind of gives you that motivation oh i've got money that's really interesting because you can see like rather than kind of being i don't want to say sad but like seeing things go down because you're spending so much you can also see it go up Mm -hmm. you can see what you're actually worth that's really interesting okay Mm -hmm. well especially a motivation for lots of people who feel like they're not making progress with their savings they have all this debt but it's like if you're just saving a little bit and also just like paying down your debt then your net worth is growing because eventually you'll have no debt and then bam, you'll have just all these assets. So that's like motivation to pay down your debt too. I feel like I learned more right now than I ever have in school. (laughs) I've taken countless accounting and finance courses. (laughs) And I sit there, I'm like, I don't understand any of this, but you made, you put it in in such simple terms and in like an exciting way. So So thank you for that. I'm going to go home my whiteboard (laughs) and just, start writing my uh, well this is like the time account. to do it i feel like especially as we get into the new year and i'm even excited like mm-hmm. every new year that's when i like outline my goals yeah. make my little vision board and then you can include this part like the budgeting into kind of your new year resolution right right no that makes sense um okay uh so i guess my last thing that i want i don't know if you have anything that you want to add but the last thing that i kind of want to add since we're running out of time is financial wellness you you Mm. mentioned this on your um on your instagram and i've never really heard of that term before and like i feel like it's associated with self-care correct me if i'm wrong but like to me i never associate like i never thought of financial wellness with self-care like Mm -hmm. to me those two weren't Mm -hmm. (laughs) terms yeah you're like what is that what are you talking about because most people just think you know personal finance money management that's just a bunch of numbers and calculators Mm -hmm. and spreadsheets but when you think about it if you take care of your money you're taking care of present you and future you and that is kind of the the definition of self-care so if you are doing some of these kind of things that sound sort of boring like you know, your RSPs and, you know, paying your taxes and paying down your debt. As boring as that all sounds, again, as you get older and you look back, you're like, I was actually taking care of myself. You know, Mm -hmm. it's nice to take a bubble bath and put on a facial mask. I love that as well. I do that once a week and it's a nice (laughs) treat. But you will think yourself future. You will be like, I'm so glad I did some of those really annoying, boring things because it really paid off. And again, like as we are in this world where things are so expensive, how are we going to pay for retirement? How are we going to own a home? It seems impossible. And believe me, even though, you know, it seems like right now it's just so crazy and expensive. I thought the exact same thing 10 years ago when I was in my mid 20s. And so we always, it, the world is never kind of fair and things are always going to happen. Things are always going to be expensive. And so if you just kind of like put that to the side and still do what you can do, what is in your control, you'll feel less anxious and less worried about your money in general and your future. I really like that. I feel like, 
an overall takeaway even from just that is a mindset shift like don't think of these things like budgeting and doing your taxes and all the things that you just mentioned as like these really boring daunting things that you have to do i feel like also to everyone listening i i I feel like these are things you get to do for your future self so like think about it that way and i never thought about it that way honestly it's so daunting to me sometimes i'm just like hey i don't want to do this Mm -hmm. but i like that so thank you for that you're welcome (laughs) um okay so i i do want i know i said that that was the end but i do want to end with just a couple rapid fire questions we got a few in but Mm -hmm. since we're running out of time else i'll give you two so let me just open it up here um so number one is you kind of touched on this but the main difference because i think people get confused with this between a tfsa and an rrsp i know that there's differences yeah they're different but they're same they're same same but different yeah so it's like we've got a tfsa that is your tax-free savings account how it works so so those are the two main registered accounts uh tfsa is great i'd say especially for people younger who are not in a high tax bracket um, that don't need a tax deduction from their RSPs, that is maybe the account that you should focus on putting your investments inside. So how it works is, you know, we all get, uh, you know, a new contribution room every year. So far, the past several years, it's been $6,000. If But if you've never contributed to your TFSA and maybe you're in your, in your mid-20s and you have no idea how much room have I accumulated, go into your CRA My Account and it'll show you exactly how much room that you have because you don't want to over-contribute. But basically, the concept is you're putting after-tax dollars, so you don't get a tax deduction. So you've already paid tax on your income, then you contribute right. that money to your TFSA, but then it can grow tax-free. So let's say you did buy an investment for $1,000, it doubled to $2,000, uh, and you want to withdraw those $2,000, uh, you don't pay any tax mm. on that gain. Okay. Beautiful. And also, you get that room back the following tax year. And so- Now, an RRSP is a bit different in that you're putting pre-tax dollars, so you get that tax deduction. Uh, which can be great if you're in a higher tax bracket uh, to reduce your uh, tax liability. Um, but you're you're not it's not tax free. You're tax deferring. So basically, you're putting this money into the account. It's going to grow. And then the idea is when you're in retirement, you're at a lower tax bracket than your working years, and you withdraw funds from your RSP. Then you do pay tax on that money that you withdraw. Okay, and that makes sense because that's going 